My Last Name with Robert Slagle is a podcast about leadership and entrepreneurship. Everyone in business has problems. It's how you handle and address those problems that makes a difference. Bottom line is do the right thing. Do the right thing and all you do all the time. My philosophy is it doesn't matter what you do, it's how well you do it. The most valuable thing my dad ever gave me was his last name. It didn't cost him anything, it didn't cost me anything, but it's the most valuable thing that I have. So I first met Tom Hardman six or eight years ago, probably, Tom, at one of your conferences. The MBI has a, an annual trade show or conference, and I heard Tom speak. I did not know he was from our area at the time. It wasn't until we had a couple of beers uh, after, the, after the show or in the evenings that uh, we realized that we were both from damn near the same hometown, me being from Ironton, Ohio, and Tom being from uh, Huntington, West Virginia. And then I learned that Tom's a Marshall University graduate, not just with a bachelor's degree, but with a master's, an MBA from, uh, from Marshall, which I thought was super cool, too. And then I also learned that Tom, uh, his family is from Wayne, West Virginia, where my wife is from. So uh, connected a lot of dots, and I believe this conversation was happening out in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, or somewhere out in Arizona. So we were both a long way from home and, and decided that uh, we were going to be friends, and we have been ever since. Yeah, I heard someone that had a similar dialect to mine, and I said, I bet this guy's from uh, my neck of the woods. Let's go talk to him. I, uh, I'm, I'm glad you brought up our dialect. I think that's, uh, that's pretty cool. And, and we interviewed uh, Brad Smith, the president of Marshall University, not long ago, and uh, we referred to our – he has a similar dialect being from this area, and, and he, he referred to it as a trademark. Um, and I agree with him. It's a, it's, it's a trademark, and – as long as you use decent grammar, which Tom has impeccable grammar, um, you, 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 your accent is actually a benefit. If, if you have a, a, a southern accent or an Appalachian accent and you use poor grammar, it's, a, it's, it's not the best uh, combination. No, if, if I could have an Australian accent, <laughs> maybe, go. but yes. second, I'll take the Appalachian accent. Exactly. Good point, good point. So, Tom, I... I have to admit, I wasn't terribly familiar with the Modular Building Institute was, but you know, seven or eight years ago, until seven or eight years ago. So, why don't you talk a little bit about your career, how you got from coming from Wayne County, West Virginia, and Marshall University to where you are today, and your your home in in Virginia or outside of Washington D.C. Okay, well, I got to correct you a little bit first. Uh, I'm originally from Barbersville, West Virginia. Barbersville. Okay. Uh, went to school there and uh, moved to Huntington in '82 with my family. Um, so I graduated from Huntington High. Uh, my mom currently lives uh, out Wayne, as we like to okay. say. Um, so originally from uh, this area, uh, graduated from Huntington High, and as you mentioned, uh, Marshall University. Um, but I, I started, honestly, I didn't know much about the Modular Building Institute either until they hired me as their director in 2004. Okay. Um, it's a nonprofit trade association. Modular construction, just in simple terms, is off-site prefabrication of, of building components um, versus building everything on site as as you traditionally see. So our, our industry is made up of companies that uh, that build off-site in modular fashion. We have our trade shows where we all get together and uh, network and and uh, learn about our industry and that's that's where we first met I guess I guess it was six or seven years ago. Yep, I think that's right. Now have you 
have you been involved with MBI uh, abroad as well or just in the United States? Yeah, it's an international group. So we have about 550 member companies. It's really exciting. You know, I'm, I'm a small town boy from Huntington and I get to go to conferences and uh, we had one in Barcelona last year. Uh, we've had them, you know, in Ireland and England, and we're going to do one in South America this oh, year. Wow. And, um, the neat thing about it is globally, this industry, um, the issues, the ideas, the benefits, they're all the same everywhere in the world. So you meet a company from Australia, you can talk, at least you can talk the modular language with them. Um, and everyone's, you know, just connects immediately. So it's, it's really cool. It, it's, it's, um, and it's very rewarding for me to find people like you from Appalachia, from our area, educated at Marshall University or educated locally that have a global presence and and get to give talks in Ireland or speak in, in, in Italy or Barcelona, Spain. And sometimes I don't think we tout in our area – some of our success stories like we should. And you're certainly one of those success stories. Well, thank you. It's a small industry, but it is global. Um, it's I love because uh, our conferences, you know, there's usually about a thousand people there, but you know almost everyone at this show. You know, you yeah. get to talk to them, you ask them how their family's doing, you get to, you know, yeah. really connect with them. When it, when it comes down to it, our industry, or like most industries, are, are really a small, close-knit group. You know, you, and for those that don't know, Rob's company is a member of our that's organization. Right. And yeah, that's, that's, that's right. again, that's how we met. Tom, I can think of a number of people who were very impactful in my, in my career and what, and what I've done um, through the years. Uh, who are some people from from our area or not that have, have uh, been a, a force in your life and, and, and helped you find your direction? Well, force in my life, I've got to go with mom. You know, if you, if you don't start with mom, that's the wrong answer. Um, my parents, you know, I, I feel like, um, I feel like I got my entre entrepreneurial spirit from my father. He was always in business taking risks. Uh, but I got my work ethic and, um, you know, maybe community mindedness from my mother, who's, you know, a saint, um, yeah. in my professional life, most of my professional life, I've been in nonprofit management. And for those that don't know that, as the director of a nonprofit, you are often your own boss for three months. And then you have a board of directors meeting and you have 15 bosses. <laughs> yeah. And then you're your own boss yeah. for three months and then you have 15 exactly. bosses. So yeah. um, it's an interesting dynamic. It's probably not for everyone, but I love it. Um, over that time, you get volunteer board board members. Um, mm -hmm. And there have been so many that have been influential in my life. It's hard to just name one or two. Um, ultimately, the, if I could paint it with a broad stroke, it's uh, very successful people who have been willing to volunteer their time and talents to give back yeah. to the industry and to help guide me along my path. There have been so many people that say, call me if you need anything. Call. And these are people running their own businesses that are, yeah. I'm sure, very busy. Uh, but they've been so helpful um, not only for me personally, but for the growth of our association and our industry. And it's, um, it's one of the things I love about it is the connections you make. And, you know, you're talking to someone who may be running, you know, a hundred million dollar business, just saying, give me a call. Let's go have a drink. Yeah. What's on your mind, actually listening to you and saying, here's what I think you should do. Um, and you don't get that in every industry. Yeah. Great advisors. What you described by your, you know, your, your board or the, are these folks that have been influential in your life by giving back kind of make me makes me think about you and the other folks that I've interviewed for this podcast, my last name, all of 
everyone that I've interviewed so far have been success stories in their own right and are all just by sitting in that seat and being willing to be interviewed and tell their, their secrets to success, they're giving back. They're giving back to the area and, and in hopes that our area continues to grow and, and do, do good things. Yeah, secrets to my success, uh, uh, you know, I'm, it's a work in progress. Um, and, and I would say, um, you know, I don't think about my success. I just try to go through life thinking, you know, how is, is there someone I can help? Is there something I can give back to my industry, my community, um, and let the chips fall where they may? You know, I'm not necessarily doing it as a way to say, look at me, I'm successful. Yeah. But um, I feel like I've been fortunate and, and blessed with, with things that others don't have. And I, it took me a while to get to this point. It's like, uh, I used to be much more selfish, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I found the more you give, oddly enough, the more uh, benefits you tend Come to get out to of it personally. <clears throat> kind of like tithing at church. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I get it. Um, yeah. And I've always, I've always believed that too. You, you, the more you give away somehow it, it always comes back to you. No, no question. Well said. So I've asked this question to, to several of the folks that I've interviewed for this podcast, and I'll ask I'll ask you as well, Tom. If you could turn back the hands of time and go back to your 16, 17-year-old Tom Hardman here in, in Appalachia, what kind of advice, what words of wisdom would you give young Tom? Oh, boy. Uh, if I could corner him and, and sit him down for a couple hours. Uh, first of all, you know, I was rocking the mullet pretty well, so okay. keep got the it. hair. Got it. When did you graduate from high school, by the way? Uh, 85, Huntington okay. High, 85. Right. So um, the hair worked. Um, but uh, 16-year-old Tom Hardiman was, um, he was a handful. He, you know, thought he had to live all of his life by the next weekend. <laughs> so I think I'd say slow down a little bit, take that chip off your shoulder, uh, think a little longer term. Everyone's not out to get you. You, you don't yeah. have to fight the whole world and or, or prove yourself to anybody just slow down a little bit take it easy so you're one of uh five children is that right correct so you have three brothers and a younger three older brothers and a younger sister tell about tell oh, us about your siblings okay so you know the name of this podcast my last name um i had three older brothers uh we grew up in the 70s and for your listeners that are too young to remember that it's pretty wild times in the 70s so my three older brothers, and I'll say this nicely, they were they they raised some hell. Okay. Um, so by the time I was in middle school and even high school, my last name, all the teachers knew my last name. Uh, I was a bit of a marked student by the, as soon as I stepped in the school. In fact, uh, when I went to Huntington High, the, the principal there was the former principal at Barbersville, where all my brothers went. The day I stepped in on day one, he literally said, "Oh no, another Hardman <laughs> boy," and I thought. What did I do? I haven't done anything. I just walked through the door. But um, so sometimes that legacy uh, precedes you in a good way, and sometimes sometimes in a bad way. I right. uh, love my brothers, uh, but yeah, they um, they burned some bridges uh, in in their mm-hmm. schools. And um, that said, you know, I didn't let that define me or, or become who I was. Yeah. I, I was. I didn't really think about it at the time, honestly. Um, I just went about and tried to make good grades and, and study and. Uh, do well in school and, and, you know, make my name myself instead of other people um, labeling me or putting, you know, what they thought I should be. So I, I know in Wayne County, West Virginia, there 80% of the people have one of three last names. It's either Napier or uh, Ramey or uh, 
I don't know who did Smith. Smith. Yeah, there's Smith. <laughs> literally. Now, literally. I mean, they're 80% of the people. In, so I would imagine, I've never, I don't know any other Hardimans other than you. So I would imagine having a last name Hardman and following three Hellraiser brothers, you were, you had a target on your back coming well, up. I did. And, and then, you know, I don't want to sugarcoat it. Um, I probably contributed a little to that legacy yeah. myself. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't an angel. Relatively speaking, I was, but uh, yeah, I feel bad for my cousins who also had the last name Hardeman. They're like, that's not even us. <laughs> we, they're just our relatives. But um, yeah, it was, you know, small town. Um, like I say, it was the seventies and, um, sometimes you have to overcome that, that last name a bit. So, so that, that back to the, the, the genesis or the basis behind this podcast, if you, if you have a, if you have a good solid last name, you need to protect it and maintain it. And, but you can, if you have, if you have one that, that has a little tarnish on it, you can always improve it through the generations as well. Yeah. And I, again, I don't want to speak ill of my, my family or my relatives, <laughs> but um, I don't know which is harder really, you know, kind of living up to a legacy that someone left you or uh, trying to maybe overcome uh, a stereotype or a perception that someone's kind of pigeonholed you in already. And um, again, I, I try not to dwell on those things. Um, yeah. Just live your life, be your own person, be authentic and, I let the chips fall where they may. Well, I can I can definitely tell that you're authentic for sure. Thank you, Tom. Let's talk about leadership a little bit. What are, what are some of the qualities, some of the attributes, virtues that you've seen um, in yourself or others that you think are are meaningful for? Great question, and I, I love the topic of leadership. Uh, in fact, I've I've given presentations on you know what makes a great leader. Um, unfortunately. Um, in today's society, I don't see a lot of great examples of leadership the way I would define it or, or, or the characteristics I'd like to see, um, particularly in the uh, political arena. Yeah. Um, the characteristics I think are important are um, when someone gives credit to a teammate for, for a job well done instead of taking the credit. Yeah. Um, and conversely, when someone accepts responsibility or blame when things don't go well instead of blaming others. Those two um, kind of run counterintuitive to the political world. It's, you know, yeah. give credit and take responsibility. Um, those are kind of two big ones. Uh, but also I think um, there's this fine line of you, you, you have to be confident as a leader, but you don't want to be arrogant. I've well, well said. I so there's that. that line of, yes, I'm confident. I know what I'm doing, and I, I think I'm doing a good job, but you don't want to be arrogant because that'll, you know, What's the yeah. proverbs? You know, arrogance will, yeah. will be your downfall. Yes. Or, yeah. Um, so there's that fine line, and then I, I think I just touched on a little earlier. Be authentic. Be yourself. People can see right through it when you're posing or trying to be something else yeah. or pretending. They'll see right through That's it, right. and they won't. Yeah. They won't uh, <clears throat> listen to you. Whether it's, whether it's through your your body language or or your words, if if you're not genuine, people will pick up. They'll, on they that. will. They'll, they'll pick up on it for for sure. What are some constants? What's what's a foundation for Tom Hardman that that you think are attributes for success? Well, um, I think I was, um, you know, I was probably like a lot of other people. I was moving from job to job and career to career. Probably one of the best decisions I made was marrying my wife, Leslie. Uh, she's kind of been my rock, my anchor. Um, God love her. I've said, you know, I got a, a job offer in Beckley and we packed up and moved to Beckley. And then um, our daughter came along in 2003, which, if you recall, there was an economic downturn then. 
I had lost my job with um, with a 11 month old child. <laughs> oh my gosh! Living in Charleston, West Virginia, and I, I thought, what the hell are we going to do now? Mm-hmm. Um, and I found uh, this position in Charlottesville, Virginia, four hours away, and uh, like pack up. We're, yeah. we're moving to to Charlottesville with 11 month, and you know she's right there with me the whole way. We're truly partners in in our life journey together and uh that's been you know kind of my my main rock my anchor and sometimes i'll stray a little far on some crazy ideas and she's she's kind of there to reel me back in her name's leslie yes and was she from huntington as well charleston but we met at marshall university so another another plus for marshall Tom, this podcast is about improvement for Appalachia, improving the image of Appalachia, or to talk about success stories out of our area. What are some of your hopes for this area in Appalachia and and some of the attributes that we have? Oh, wow. it's a great question. Um, I think a lot of people outside of this area, or really a lot of people in this area, kind of look down on Huntington and Appalachia, and I think that's unfair. Uh, I think there's a lot of great attributes and assets here. Um, I can't help but thinking – in my role as the spokesperson for the modular construction industry and my ties to this community, that there's a role to be played to, to help you know, bring about some economic development. You know, our industry can help build housing uh, for not only homeless, but affordable housing. Could Huntington and, and this region be a hub for modular and offsite construction? I'd love to help uh, make that a possibility. Um, that That's a, pretty big ambitious dream but you know we've got all the attributes here in Huntington you've got great transportation interstate rails water Um, you've got manufacturing facilities that could be modernized you've got a really a great workforce um, hard-working people that know how to work with their hands well um, that could be trained to build decent housing for this area and that's a win-win give somebody a job have them build housing for the area and I think that could uh, maybe start to be a little bit of a you know rebirth for this area. I'd love to see that happen. I agree with you. And the reason I agree with you is because I'll, I'll say I'm, you know, maybe a litmus test to that, what you just described is that's what, that's what my company does is builds portable modular structures here in Appalachia, here in the tri-state. And we're the best, it's the best hidden gem in the world. As far as I'm concerned with this workforce that we have incredible workforce in the area. And we're able to build these structures and ship them all over the world, and just just exactly what you described. I think there, I think there could be a lot more of that done in the Huntington, Ashland, Ironton area for sure. I, I think so, and that's the thing. A lot of people don't realize is construction is now a business that you can export. Yes, that's a you good point. You can build a product here and ship it really anywhere in the world, and it's more cost effective many times to build the product and export it than it is to build it on site or stick build as we call it. Yeah. And one of the things uh, we do, uh, you know, kind of as the industry, you know, spokespeople, um, every time there's a natural disaster, a Turkey, for example, or even COVID, there is a huge spike in demand for temporary facilities, whether that's healthcare clinics or, you know, you've seen the news in Turkey, they need everything. Um, we can rally all of our members to say, you know, that Turkey needs assistance with temporary housing and, and medical facilities and connect all those dots. And our industry is fantastic at disaster relief. You hate it that it happens, but it's always going to happen somewhere. There's going to be a disaster somewhere. Um, our industry is very good at responding to those. Um, that's what I'm really proud of is when our industry steps up and can help other people in their just most desperate time of need. Were you were you uh, in the industry 
during Katrina. Yes. When Katrina was, I bet that was quite a time. It was, and it's still a little unfortunate. How, I, you know, I've been around long enough to, to be a little jaded when it comes to politicians and promises. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's unfortunate because they know the answers. They know the solutions, but it's just their own. Um, they get stuck in their own status quo, and they, yeah, they won't try something new. And we know we could have rebuilt the entire Ninth Ward in a year if yeah. if given the opportunity, but our industry wasn't. And then the next disaster hits, and they do the same thing. Uh, we have companies like yours that can build uh, robust structures that can be readily deployed, readily set, uh, get people on housing in months, not years. Yeah. Um, but it's it's hard breaking through that status quo of what everyone knows or thinks is best. And uh, that's my job, actually, is to try to shake things up. And I, I like the way you think. I, I agree with everything you just said. Um, have a little bit of history and some of that as well. So It can get frustrating, but... I've been doing this for 20 years, but I still feel like it's brand new. It's just starting to take off, and that's an exciting feeling. I'm, I'm really excited about the, the modular industry in general, for sure. You're in, you're in a good spot. So when, when people talk about Tom Hardiman years from now or, or after you're retired or when you're dead and gone, or, or what do you want um, the, your legacy to be? Well, that's a pretty heavy question. Yeah, that's a pretty t- that's a tough one. <laughs> you know, honestly, I, I don't think about it. I don't think I've ever thought about it. Um, for me, if my friends say he was a good friend, if my wife says he was a good husband, and especially if my daughter says he was a good dad, I'm good. Uh, everything else, you know, I try, uh, I try to help people when I can. I try to give back to my community, and if, if that helps people, great. Um, you know, hopefully I've, I've added a little more to the plus side of this life than I've taken away. And, you know, I certainly did my share of taking away in my younger years. So maybe I'm trying to balance the ledger out a little bit, but, um, legacy, you know, people are going to think about me, what they think about me. Some people, um, you know, maybe their idea, (laughs) maybe their thoughts aren't as good as others, but, uh, just try to be a good person. Short motto, don't be a jerk. If you ask me that question about Tom Hardiman, I would say, I want Tom Hardiman, Hardiman's legacy to be he's the guy that came up with a great idea to build off-site construction modules in the tri-state and created thousands and thousands of jobs for people in an area where they don't have jobs. And uh, that would be my, my wish for your legacy. Well, that's a pretty good one, too. This podcast is my last name, and, and I, I always tout that the, the, most, the most, most valuable thing my dad ever gave me was his last name. And it didn't cost him anything. It didn't cost me anything, but I've uh, done my damnedest to protect it. Um, it. It was it was pretty clean when he gave it to me, and I hope it's pretty clean when I pass on. What uh, what are what are your thoughts about your last name and Hardiman and, and your legacy moving forward? Hmm, another tough one. Yeah. Well, you know, I I just hope that uh, you know my daughter. She has my last name. Mm-hmm. Um, I really want her to. I don't want to burden or saddle or, or even uh, make things necessarily easier for her because she has my last name. I want her to kind of get out there and make her own life and uh, figure things out on her own and, and uh, establish her own legacy without um, any undue pressure from dad, I, I guess. That. I love that. Yeah. Don't, yeah. Don't necessarily pave the way for her with your last name. Let her. She's going to pave yeah. her own way anyway. What's she studying, by the way, Marshall? Japanese. Really? <laughs> yes. 
Wow. She wants to go to Japan. So clearly she didn't get that from me. (laughs) That's pretty cool. And what year is she? Uh, It's finishing her uh, sophomore year. Okay. And what's her name? Grace. Grace. Grace Hardeman. Grace Hardeman. She's famous now. (laughs) Tom, thanks for... Thanks for coming and being willing to do this podcast. Uh, you've done a great job. You're, you're, you're a good spokesperson. Proud to have you in our industry for sure. You know, it's always easy to, to find an excuse to get back to Huntington, uh, certainly to see my daughter. But I appreciate you having me on the show, Rob. Um, honestly, I'm a little honored and humbled given some of the other guests you have. I'm like, oh, wow, I'm not worthy. <laughs> but I appreciate you having me. I think you're very worthy. Thank you for being well, thank here. Thank you. It's good.